welcome or welcome back to Scottish and Scared. I'm your host Stephanie here to tell you about all the weird and wonderful things about my wee country Scotland. If you would like to get in touch with us you can send us an email at scottishandscared at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at scottishandscaredpod or head over to our website scottishandscared.com for all of our links and anything else that you may need. If you enjoy the show you would be so kind to leave us a wee review wherever you may be listening. Big thank you to everyone who already has. Now on to the show. Hello everyone, I hope you all had an amazing weekend and your week is going good so far. I was in Edinburgh this last weekend for a wee overnight and it was just so good to get a wee night away. Edinburgh's great when the sun is shining but when it's raining it is an absolute nightmare but it was absolutely lovely. The sun was shining on the Friday, it was like 23 degrees no clouds, my wee nose got burnt but yeah it was great. It did rain a wee bit on the Saturday but it was literally five minute wee shower and it was absolutely fine. So when we were there we got to see Frankie Boyle's show at the Fringe. If you don't know who Frankie Boyle is, what? How do you not know who Frankie Boyle is? Um, He's a Scottish comedian and we got to see his show on the Friday night which was very funny. Highly recommend. Thank you Frankie for the tickets and I hope that your Fringe run is going very very well. Of course, we ended up sitting behind four absolute idiots who were drunk. So they kind of just spoke through the entire show. And when someone told them to shut up, it started a literal fight. So that was fantastic. But thankfully, it didn't take away from the show. It didn't spoil it for us. And we still had an amazing time. We also managed to get a table and grab some food from Frankenstein's, which is like a pub slash beer hall venue in Edinburgh. Obviously, it is themed around Frankenstein's monster, so right up my street. We've been waiting to go there for a while now, but we just seem to run out of time before we can get a table. So, yeah, it was great to finally be able to go. I would definitely check it out if you're a horror fan. It's definitely a vibe. It's also just up the street from Greyfriars Bobby and Greyfriars Kirkyard. So you could even have a wee gander around the Kirkyard and then have a wee walk in and have a wee drink and a wee bite to eat. But yeah, speaking of running out of time, we did not have time to do the vaults tour. By the time we walked all the way back from the gig, it was just too late, so we had to give it a miss. But we did pop into a wee shop called Black Moon Botanica on Candlemaker Row. And it's like this small witchy shop and it just has so much cool stuff. They make their own candles, they make their own scents, they make their own like spell mixes, herbs... Um, they make their own tarot decks. They're just a really, really cool wee shop. I picked up a wee roll-on perfume called Witchwood that makes me smell like I've been running in the woods, which isn't great when you have hay fever, but I absolutely love it. I love the smell of it. I also got a book called Occult Britain. They do have a massive selection of occult, witchcraft, supernatural types books and comics, so I picked up that one. There's a whole section in that book on Scotland where I've kind of took some notes about some stuff that I didn't know about. And yeah, it'll just look really cool on my bookcase. So if you're in the area, pop into Blackman Botanica. It's a lovely wee store and the staff are really warm, welcoming and they will just help you with anything that you need. We finally got to stay at the House of God's Hotel. Now, if you're on social media in any capacity and you like stuff centred around Scotland or Edinburgh, you will most definitely have seen a video or a picture of the House of God's Hotel. It's a themed hotel and to me, it kind of gives the... This is going to sound really bad, but 
it's like this like classy but also sleazy like speakeasy gentleman's lounge type vibe it's very dark a lot of reds a lot of burgundies um leopard print but it's such a cool hotel we've been wanting to go there for a really long time chance just came up we even had the option to upgrade our room so that was great um it's a really cool hotel i really 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 recommend going there if you're into that kind of vibe it's really good but i would say it's very very pricey you do get a lot of extras and stuff there's like get free drinks on arrival you get a 10 pound bar tab there's like a buzzer in your room and it has like a button where you press it between the hours of like 9 and 12 at night and you get cookies and milk delivered to your room. There's another button that you can press and they'll deliver cocktails to your room. You just have to tell them via the WhatsApp um, app like what cocktails you like and they'll bring them to your room. They also do like loads of different packages that you can buy with your room and they just include like loads of different extras. And they are very, very cool, um, but they are very expensive. So it's just up to you whether you decide to indulge a wee bit and go to this hotel, but I would highly recommend it. The staff were amazing. The hotel in general was really good. We sat outside for some parts of the night and just had a few cocktails and they had a drag act DJing and it was great so yeah if you're ever in edinburgh and you have the money you want to indulge a wee bit definitely check out house of gods it's really really good so that was our weekend away still very tired and achy from all the walking oh and before i forget to mention this because i think it's absolutely insane i totally get okay that when you work in a pub or a bar there are certain laws around selling alcohol and identification and under 18s and all that stuff but my boyfriend and I walked to the grass market on Saturday morning and we decided to go into the last drop, which is on the grass market. And it was about half 11 in the morning. And we went in and we had every intention of sitting down, having a soft drink and having some breakfast because we were very hungover. So we sat down, everything was great. The couple in front of us got served at the bar, absolutely no issues. And then I went to the bar and I ordered to no sorry I ordered one fresh orange and lemonade and one tomato juice and the guy was like oh do you have identification on you and I was like no because I'm 28 I don't tend to carry ID into pubs at half 11 in the morning he was really nice don't get me wrong I know he was just doing his job but he then refused my service because I didn't have ID on me we were also told that we weren't allowed to order food because they couldn't serve us on premise if we didn't have ID to prove we were older than 18. Um, I don't really understand that because I was ordering soft drinks, but, you know, if he's... That's his rules. I think that's a bit insane. To be fair, the other staff members that were working in the pub at the time kind of came over and were like, what are you doing? Like, why are you IDing this girl? why are you refusing our service because to be fair the pub was pretty empty and there was just like a few families having breakfast and whatever yeah I don't know I don't know if the guy just didn't like me or he just thought I was trouble or I don't know he refused my service and I had to leave but we went to Buddy Milligan's and we got our fresh orange lemonade and our tomato juice to make us feel better with our hangover and I did not get ID'd and everybody keeps saying, take it as a compliment, you know, you're 28 and you're still getting ID'd. But when you don't have ID when you're 28 years of age, 
and you're trying to buy a soft drink, it's infuriating. But anywho, that guy was probably just doing his job. I just thought it was really funny, so I thought I would mention it. Now, a week or two ago, I put a poll up on our Instagram asking if you would be interested in attending a live podcast event. Now, the response we had was very good, but I would like to hear more. We have been approached by a venue who would like to book us for Halloween weekend, but they are obviously very interested in knowing how well the event will turn out and what kind of um, return they'll get. So the numbers that we have right now are more than enough, but if you wouldn't mind, could you get in touch with us via Instagram or our email and let us know if you would be interested and in what you would like to see from us at an event like this. We have a rough idea of how the night is going to run, but we are open to suggestions and would like to give you your money's worth. So please, if you have five minutes, drop us a message and let us know. We would really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. But today, we are diving into some more of Scotland's mythological creatures. It is absolutely shocking to me that I haven't run out of any of these at any point and I have many, many more to come. If there are any that you know of that I haven't covered, please let me know and I will add them to the list. For our first creature, we have to head up north and back into the treacherous waters surrounding Scotland. We've talked about many a sea monster, but in my opinion, none compare to the Keirin Cron. Now, This beast has been described as the giant fish destroyer and is found lurking in the deep, dark waters surrounding our lovely wee country. It was infamous for striking sheer terror into the poor fishermen who braved the seas, and some of them still talk about it to this very day. I found an old folk rhyme that goes like this. Seven herrings are a salmon's fill. Seven salmons are a seal's fill. Seven seals are a whale's fill. Seven whales are the fill of a Kieran Cron, and seven Kieran Cron are the fill of the devil himself. Now that should tell you everything that you need to know about the sheer size of this creature. Most of the images I could find of the Kieran Cron show it as a giant serpent-like creature. Long body, four pectoral fins, two at the front and two at the back, and its head resembles a dragon or a dinosaur, depending on how you look at it. I think everyone listening would agree that they would not want to run into this thing while out at sea, but the reason it was so feared by fishermen was because it had the power to shapeshift. It was known to change into the form of a small silver fish, making its way into fishermen's nets as the fishermen pulled the nets back on board to see their catch. Now, Kieran Cron would change back into its true form and feast on anyone aboard it could get its chops on. It would also change into the form of a shoal of fish to lure in bigger prey such as whales and other Kieran Cron before attacking. So this is a pretty formidable creature swimming around out there. There were theories from paleontologists who thought this creature actually could have existed. They theorised it could have been a dinosaur, more specifically an Atlantosaurus. This was because skeletal remains had been found along coastlines and riverbanks all over the world. The Atlantosaurus were known to grow to almost 100 feet in length and 30 feet in height. And as interesting as that theory is, it doesn't really explain the whole shape-shifting thing, you know? The most interesting thing that I read about the Cairn Cron is that it was linked to the Loch Ness Monster. There were rumours that it, this could have been a juvenile that could have been trapped in the loch and due to its power to transform, this allowed it to stay hidden for many, many years. 
As we know, the lock's been searched various times looking for the famous Loch Ness Monster to no avail. Maybe, just maybe, it's been there the whole time just as a wee silver fish. Now that is a cool story. Now moving west to the Highlands, you would most likely hear stories of the Glastig. Now the Glastig are one of the many fae or she folk from Scottish folklore. Although this has been disputed, some believe they are separate entities altogether. Just like her supposed fae counterparts, she is almost always seen wearing the colour green, be that a green dress or a green flowing robe. Her skin is said to be grey and pale, covered by long golden hair. Her form is often described as a woman with the lower half of a goat, usually covered by her flowing green robe. But there are also stories of her appearing in full human form and full animal form. Now, the Glastake are said to be solitary creatures wandering the banks of locks and rivers on their own, which leads people to believe that they are somewhat outcasts of the fey world. The name Glastig is a Gaelic word meaning water imp, so it would explain why she is often seen by the water. But if we break it down further to the original meaning behind these words, it may tell us a little more about these mysterious creatures. Glass meaning pale, grey and sickly, and teak meaning crouching and sneaking gives you a wee bit more of an idea of the nature and appearance of these creatures. There are many stories of the Glastig appearing around castles and farms, with many of these stories describing them as pleasant and helpful, helpful spirits, known to be extremely loyal and protective of livestock and children. There are even stories of them helping to keep places clean and tidy in return for milk, which is very similar to stories of the brownies, which we will cover soon, I think. I promise, I promise. But they have also been likened to tricksters with, with very malevolent intentions. Whichever you choose to believe is up to you. But here are a few stories which should give you an idea of their true nature. Not too far from Loch Linney in the West Highlands lived a farmer called McKelvey. That year's harvest had come to an end and all of the farmers had to head home in their boats with their goods across Loch Linney. The day came for everyone to leave and a storm was brewing on the horizon. All of the farmers and workers gathered on the banks, but due to McKelvey's farm being further away than the rest, they decided to leave him in fear of being caught in the storm. When McKelvey arrived, he quickly realised he would have to make his way across the lock on his own. Not wasting a second, he grabbed his goods and began to load them into his small rowing boat before the storm could reach him. As quick as he was, it wasn't enough, as the storm began to gather above him. The water of Loch Linney, usually calm and still, began to heave and throw. Once he had his goods on board, he began to push the small boat out into the water with all his might. But as he was about to climb aboard, he noticed the figure of a young woman dressed in a green flowing dress walking along the banks towards him. She smiled and said hello and asked McKelvey if he would give her a lift across the lock. McKelvey was happy to help the woman, but only if the water wasn't too rough for her. As she climbed into the small boat, she replied, if you are happy, then so am I. McKelvey, happy with her response, climbed in, grabbing hold of the oars and began to row out into the stormy waves of Loch Linney. McKelvey was known to be a large, strong man, but the further they got out into the water, they began to struggle with the oars. Seeing him in trouble, the woman asked him to pass one of the oars to her, claiming they could fight this storm together. He looked back at her and laughed, she was so small, there was no way she could have helped him get through these waves. He continued to struggle and the storm only got worse. The waves became stronger and stronger and he could no longer battle them alone. 
Reluctant to let the women help, he soon realised they would both be doomed if he did not. With their lives at risk, he passed one of the oars to the woman, and to his complete disbelief, she heaved on the oar and the boat began to turn. Trying to match her strokes, McKelvey used all of his might to keep them steady on the water. They both worked together, and with every stroke the boat picked up speed, so quickly that it seemed to be skimming across the surface of the water. They soon overtook every other boat battling the storm, and as they hit the bank with such speed, they scurried up the bank and came to a stop. Still in complete shock, McKelvey turned to the woman thanking her for her help and invited her for dinner to show his gratitude. The woman declined the offer and with a smile, she left the boat. McKelvey emptied the boat and began to head for home. Before he left, he turned for a last look at this mysterious woman, but she had disappeared into thin air. It was only then that McKelvey realised he had been saved by the mysterious Scottish Glastig. On the eastern edge of Mull is the small farm of Arnadrocket. This farm was owned by the Lamont family who, amazingly, had the Glastig in their service. In return for her share of milk, she spent her time watching over their cattle. While the cattle were under her care, they flourished and everyone was more than happy with the arrangement. For many years, she stayed with the Lamont family and would bring the cattle to pasture, nurture them and keep them out of harm's way. All was good until one day some unpleasant raiders from Lorne landed on the Isle of Mull. Their goal was to lift as many animals as they could before disappearing again and with the Lamont cattle being somewhat famous on the island for having the best milk, they soon became their target. Fortunately, the Lamont Glastig had foresaw their raid and was already herding the cattle safely to the mountains. But as hard as she tried, the raiders were quicker than expected and were catching up to her fast. Faced with the horrifying reality that the cattle she had reared and cared for for so many years could be taken from her and their home on the Isle of Mull, she made a heartbreaking decision. She decided that she would rather no one had these cattle than have them taken from her under her watch. One by one, she struck each cow on the head with her hand, turning them to stone. They would stay on this hillside forever. When the raiders arrived on the hillside, they were confused. They were no cows for them to steal, only to realise that they were right in front of them as stones. There are two endings to this story. One claims that the leader of the raiders was so frustrated that he struck one of the cow-shaped boulders with his sword and split it in two. Completely devastated by this action, the Glastig retreated to the Lamont family home where she died of a broken heart. The family deeply cared for the Glastig. After all her years of service, they gave her a dignified burial on the edge of the Sound of Mull. Another ending claims that the raiders simply returned empty-handed, unable to find the famous Lamont cattle. What became of the Glastig isn't known, but the Lamont family deeply grateful for her sacrifice lay out offerings of milk on the hillside beside the cow-shaped stones and offering to the Glastig for as long as they were alive. Donolly Castle sits in a hillside just north of Oban. The castle was known to be visited by a Glastig. Her origin is not known, although it has been speculated that she was once a chambermaid who had worked at the castle and had sadly passed away. In her life, she was known to be a kind and innocent soul, and some speculate that the she had allowed her to continue her duties at the castle for many years after her death. Donolly Castle has a very violent and bloody history, but it's said that the Glastig brought a calming and peaceful energy to the area. 
She wanted nothing in return for her work at the castle and was extremely hard-working. She spent her days and nights keeping the place clean and tidy, folding clothes and sweeping floors. She even made sure that the residents were safe and sound in their beds at night. There was a child living at the castle during the Glassteeds' time, whom she was very protective of. She would prepare his meals to the highest standard, ensuring he had the best quality food, while others would find things like sawdust and spit sprinkled into their meals. She would always have an eye on the boy, ensuring he didn't come to harm and didn't wander too far from the grounds. The last the Glassteeg was seen at Donnelly Castle was in the 18th century, which coincided with Clan MacDougall leaving the castle. Many believe when the clan left that this brought an end to the Glassteeg service and she was free to go her own way. No matter the case, she hasn't been seen at Donnelly since. In Loch Aber, there was a bridge sitting just in the shadow of Ben Nevis. The bridge and river were rumoured to be haunted by a very angry and very vengeful Glastig. How the Glastig came to haunt this bridge isn't known, but some speculated that she was the spirit of a woman who had drowned in the waters while washing her clothes. Others speculated that she was pushed from the bridge to her death below. Whatever the case may be, the locals were pretty wary of the bridge and the area surrounding it. It was common knowledge with the locals to stay away from the bridge, especially when the sun went down. Many local men who did not heed this warning went missing while trying to cross, so much so that it became a major issue within the local villages. This was when a local blacksmith by the name Big Kennedy stepped forward, promising to kill this glass steak. Big Kennedy was a very large, burly man and was known in the area for crafting such beautiful and sturdy weapons that the she themselves bestowed magical powers upon them. One dark and murky night, Big Kennedy decided to keep his promise and headed for the bridge. He looked and looked and finally he saw her. A pale, frail-looking woman, dressed in all green, stepped before him. She seemed tired and weak. Looking up at him, she begged him to share his horse and allow her to rest. Looking down at her, he paused and agreed, but only if she sat in front. She nodded and Kennedy lifted her into his arms and onto the horse. But before she knew it, he had bound her with an enchanted sword belt, trapping her. Angered by his actions, she pleaded and pleaded for him to let her free, but he refused. He knew that this would be his chance for recognition from the locals. This glassdeed, desperate for her freedom, offered Kennedy a herd of cattle of the utmost quality and the finest home in all of Lochaba. Kennedy thought about it for a moment and then agreed, under the condition that the glassdeed would have the home built before the sun rose. Then they would shake hands, part ways and never see one another again. The Glastig wasn't best pleased with the conditions of her offer, but she agreed. She then let out a scream so loud it almost deafened Kennedy. He drew his blade assuming that he was being attacked, but as he opened his eyes he saw a crowd of glowing figures before him. The Glastig had summoned the she to construct this home for her. Throughout the night, under Kennedy's watch, the creatures worked and worked and as dawn approached, he was presented with the finest home he had ever seen. In complete awe of this home, he went inside, looking around and taking it all in, and he started a glorious fire, placing an iron in its embers. As the sun rose and lit up the hills and mountains, he saw a herd of glorious cattle approaching the home and taking refuge in the adjoining barn. He was so enamoured by his new home and fine cattle that he forgot all about the glass egg. Before he knew it, she was in front of him, still bound by the enchanted sword belt. True to his word, he released her from the belt 
and as, he and as she reached out her hand to seal their deal, he grabbed the red-hot iron from the fire and plunged it through the heart of the glass steak. In agony, the green lady let out an almighty scream that shook the very foundations and beams of the house around them. Unable to recover from her wound, she began to wither and die. But with her dying breath, she cursed Kennedy and his family for his cruel betrayal. She cursed him to grow old before his time, but lived to see all his sons die before him. His family name would die with him, and the name Kennedy would no longer be found or spoken on Lochaba. And that is all the stories I could find of the glass steak for you. Now, if you remember from a Stirling Castle episode, I asked why so many Scottish castles and old manors seem to be haunted by green ladies. Like, what does the colour the color green signify? To my surprise, I think I might have actually found the answer. I found out that the colour green is associated with the old gods and fae here in Scotland and many believe that glass deeds are created when a woman is killed or dies in a horrific or terrible way which would make complete sense because every time that I have looked into the backstory of these green ladies I almost always find that they've been murdered or they have taken their own lives due to a horrible experience that they've had so it made me think that maybe these spirits are actually glastique still wandering around these old castles and farmlands and I just thought that was super interesting and like such a cool fact because I've just never understood the correlation of colours with ghosts. I feel like almost always you will find a green lady, a white lady, a grey lady so I just I really wanted to find out what those colours mean so that was really interesting for me. I thought that was a cool little theory that I stumbled upon. Now our last creature takes us to Argyll and Butte in the Scottish Highlands and into Loch Awe. We all know about the famous Loch Ness Monster but there are other monsters dwelling in the lochs of Scotland. Loch Awe itself is the third largest freshwater loch in Scotland and it is the longest in Scotland, measuring 25 miles from one end to the other and 62 miles in width and 105 feet deep at its deepest. So it's a pretty large body of water. It's mostly known for its trout fishing, but in older days it was known as the Beast of Loch Awe's home. There aren't really any eyewitness accounts of this creature and stories kind of differ in terms of its appearance. Some people say it's a gigantic eel measuring 12 feet or more in length and others say that the creature had the head of a horse and 12 legs attached. So it's kind of like this long serpent-like body with a fish-like tail with 12 legs. So it kind of differs from which source you're taking it from. Whatever the case is, this beast was known to be extremely powerful and it was feared by many fishermen in the local area. There's even stories of these fishermen attaching sheep to wooden oars to try and lure it to its death. The only weakness this beast seemed to have was silver. It was more or less invincible unless struck with a silver object. During the winter, the lock would freeze over and when it would crack, it would let out a thunderous sound. Now, the locals believed that this was the beast breaking through for a taste of the crisp winter air. So there you go, folks. Another reason not to be swimming in Scottish locks and lakes. I swear to Satan, since starting this series, I have an irrational fear of water, 
most people get into the water and they maybe start to hear the Jaws music in their head once they get a wee bit too far out and they think that a shark is going to get them, right? That's pretty rational. I, on the other hand, feel a bit of seaweed brush against me and think that the Kieran Cron or the Kelpies are coming to get me and it is just not, it's not it. So that's great. I, yeah, it's great. And with that, we come to the end of tonight's episode. Loads of spirits and creatures to keep you up at night or watch out for after you're on a hike in the Highlands. Lovely. I hope you've all had an amazing weekend and an amazing week so far. Like I said, I am absolutely shattered. I hope you all enjoyed and I will see you all in the next one. Stay weird, stay scared. Bye, folks. (laughs) 